All right, everyone, welcome to the very first podcast edition, very first episode of Millennium Franchise Consulting Podcast. I am your host, Charles Covenant, along with my co-host, Joe Malmuth, in the building. What's going on, guys? What is up, Charles? Hey, man, thanks for, uh, for opening us up here. Uh, and we've got a really excellent show for the first episode out of the gate. We're going to really dig into uh, some meat on what it takes to, to grow a franchise. And, and, and we're going to dig into the strategy that, that we have used, that I've used, that Charles has used, and, and really analyze uh, a bunch of different layers. And the end result of this is we're hoping that you guys can walk away from this very first episode with, a, with an action plan, something that you can just really dive into. It, it, this is not going to be one of those podcasts where our, you know, we spend 15 minutes talking about fluffy stuff that uh, is in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People or some other book that people have regurgitated 10,000 times. This podcast is meant to be your opportunity to get free consulting from franchising industry experts with experience, with proven track records, with with backgrounds in emerging brands, with backgrounds in legacy brands. And, and we're bringing this information to the table because our mission and our belief is that we want to make franchising better because better franchising is better for everyone. Whether you're a franchisor, whether you're a franchisee, whether you're a vendor, we want to eliminate kind of the competitive uh, land grab and, and, and siphoning off and, and, and uncooperative attitude that tends to, to kind of creep through an industry that, that is like this one, that, that has a high uh, sales component to it and, and, and has a, a strong uh, competitive nature to it. Because, it, you know, people who want to come to the table and work together to build a better franchising reputation for an industry as a whole – you know, that just means that more people are going to want to flock to franchising because it's so good. Oh, for and, sure. And that's what we're trying to build here. And, uh, uh, it, it was funny. I remember Joe, uh, sorry, sorry to, sorry to bounce off, but I, I remember yeah, no. one of the reasons why you and I decided let's, let's do this podcast. Let's make a collaborative effort to bring franchising as a whole. You and I were what? It was uh, two months ago. We were in California. And uh, we were mm-hmm. out at dinner with a handful of people, some people I'd been in the franchise industry for years, some people that are just spinning up franchise companies, and just we're just picking each other's brains. And I, I remember there was like an aha moment at dinner where everyone was kind of crowded around us asking us questions that for you and I kind of seemed like no-brainers. And it, it, it struck a you know, lightning cord for me because what you and I have learned in our careers in franchising not everyone has had the same education, the same formal training. So we're like, let's just share our wealth and knowledge and let's bring other people that can share their wealth and knowledge to the table and let's start the conversation and get people more invested in franchising, educated in franchising. So like you said, every brand as a whole could be better. So I couldn't sure. picture a better way to jump off and kickstart this than to talk about how do you grow and start a franchise company? How do you advertise for leads? How do you sell deals? And we'll kind of kind of roll that out. So one of the first categories and topics that I wanted to cover and actually, you know, really lend on you, Joe, because you've been doing this a lot longer than I have in this specific area is how do you manage your growth sales? How do you manage your growth strategies? And just how do you come up with a plan to grow? You can't just say, I want to sell 100 units. So can you no, expand on, on a company how you do that? 
Yeah. So, so the first thing that I, especially, if it, and I'm going to target this kind of more at the the emerging brands. Yeah. But, but this this train of thought and this strategy certainly works for uh, uh, brands that are closer to the legacy side of things. 100 units, 200 units plus can still use the same idea. Um, but but kind of speaking specifically to our emerging brand friends, which is who was at that dinner table you were just talking about? It's a bunch of brand new brands. Uh, the first thing that you have to figure out is is your capacity for growth. Because like you're saying, some people could turn around and go, I want to sell 100 units. Great. Um, can your operations and training team handle 100 units worth of growth in one year? Can your real estate and construction process handle that? Do you have a process in the first place? Uh, and so so you have to understand the the there's a ratio between profit versus sales versus volume. And and you have to get that ratio right. You have to figure yeah, out. Yeah. What do you okay. mean by that, Joe? Yeah. Yeah. So 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 just because you sell more doesn't mean you're going to be more profitable. Exactly. Just because you have more sales doesn't mean that you can you're going to have more volume. And just because you have more volume doesn't mean that you have more sales or more profitability. And so the problem is is you can sell something to the point that it sinks your ship, versus selling too little where there's not enough gas in the tank. And you have to really take a hard look at your infrastructure. Oftentimes, emerging franchisors don't have a lot of staff. They don't have a director of franchise education. They have yeah. the guy who started the company and his partner and maybe an admin person. I've seen, I've seen franchisors get launched that have a husband and wife that started the first location. And maybe it's a restaurant brand. And, and that's all the staff they have. And they're turning around, I want to sell 30 units in my first year. Great. How much travel are you ready to do? Because you're yeah. going to be on the road. And who's going to watch your business while you're going? Every single one of those businesses. Right. And one you of those can't just, exactly. exactly. And you can't just, you can't just stop the sales process to go train for a year and then pick it back up again. All of exactly. these, things, the, the, all these different engines have to be running all the time. And you have to figure out, you know, uh, you have to prioritize, you have to manage your time and your calendar and your resources in such a way where you can sit back and say, hey, you know what, maybe my first year out of the gate, I really can only handle getting four stores open. Or for, I'd say a good number, operating. depending on the depending on the type of business. If it's like a, if it's a service business, a service franchise, or home franchise that doesn't need a ton of, you know, uh, there's not a ton of infrastructure and whatnot. But let's just say you have a restaurant, because that's that's just what we mm -hmm. run into all the time. We we have quick service restaurants and people that want have quick service businesses that want to franchise. Um, yeah. I'd say if you want to sell more than ten units in a year, hire a development person or hire a consultant that's going to do your, your sales. For emerging brands, I totally agree with that. For sure. I I just, you know, there's just too much intricacies of creating the sales funnel, creating the system, getting all your advertisement right, getting your, you know, your portals and, and your lead generation right to do it all on your own and then have to turn around. Even, and even, even, even beyond that, I mean, just imagine one person for the first time franchisor managing the permitting process. For ten oh, yeah. locations that could be all over the place. They could be regional. They could be within the same state. I mean, you have to be honest with yourself as a business owner and do what's right for the business. And sometimes yep. that that structured metered growth is the right way to move forward instead of sales and growth for sales and growth's sake. And I've seen that sink yep. a lot of brands. That's why you see a lot of franchisors that get up to twenty five units and they can't grow beyond that. They grew too fast. They didn't reinvest appropriate in, in the brand appropriately. They didn't add the right pieces of infrastructure because they were too busy filling the next order, so to speak, of getting the next guy open yeah. or getting the next yeah. guy sold. And that's a problem. 
And uh, yep. th- th- that's, that's probably the number one mistake that I see a lot of emerging brands do. Uh, I, I, and in fact, I, I just saw uh, Red Boswell, who's the president of IFPG on LinkedIn just this week, posted a tweet. Oh, happy belated birthday, by the way, Red. Yeah, happy birthday, Red. So, so, so I, he, he had a post on LinkedIn about uh, one of the top mistakes that, that new franchisors make is being overly positive about their growth. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that you need to be, you know, the glass is half empty guy, but you do need to take a realistic look about how much can you really truly handle in your first few years. Because the, the other layer to that is those people that you're putting into business at that early stage of the brand, two things. One, they better succeed. Because those sure. are yeah, those people the validating the system for the first time, yeah. and two, you better actually want to work with them because you're going to spend a ton of time with them, and they are going to be a drain on your resource. They are going to be, you know, you're going to be at their beck and call for every little thing, and so you have to make sure that that process you got to pick the right operators. Pick the right operators, exactly yeah. right, exactly right. So, that comes down to how strong are you at sales at the end of yep, the day. So, so first uh First little bit of free advice, free consulting that you didn't have to pay for. This is coming from Charles specifically. If you want to grow the more than 10 units in a year, hire someone to help you <laughs> or, or you better start learning. And then secondly, or at least have a mentor. The right, at least yeah, have exactly. a mentor. Some consultant, a mentor, someone that you could lean on. And then please, your first 10 units, pick the right franchisees because that is the bedrock yes. and foundation of, of your business. Um, now, in terms of building out a sales funnel. And, and I think we're going to do a separate episode that really walks you through the different different parts and buckets, as we call it, of a sales funnel, because it doesn't just go from general inquiry to close deal. You know, it, it's actually only 3% of inquiries close, and that's taken over all of franchising. So you have to have yeah, I mean, steps de- in the process. De- defining, in- I, I would, you have, defining inquiry is somebody who has, <clears throat> in some fashion, through some sort of channel, reached out to the franchisor yeah. interested in, in their opportunity. Yeah, uh, exactly. and, and those so, come in varying degrees of interest and varying degrees of quality and this kind of thing. But, but anybody that goes, hey, so tell me about what you're doing, that, that would be an inquiry. Uh, yeah, not inquiry. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, in, in terms of like, you know, you have to have certain steps in your sales process to be able to push candidates along and, and step one, fill up this form. Step two, present a webinar or meet with them in person, whatever it may be. And, and I think we're going to have a separate podcast episode that's specifically building a step because, you know, Joe and mm-hmm. I, we've been doing this for how long we've been doing this for all the brands we've been doing it. And the percentages of each step we've really dialed in and we got that down to a science. And um, like I said, it doesn't go from inquiry to closed deal. There's a lot of stuff in between that you got to do. So we'll, we'll yeah, help new franchisors build that out. Yeah, the, the thing that you want to think about at the end of the day is there are every, every potential entrepreneur has a checklist in their mind of all of the things that they need to see in place or, or hear about or get the right answer for or, or get the questions answered before they will arrive at a point where they've made a decision. Uh, whether that's a yes decision or a no decision. And the, the, a, a lot of times I've seen uh, uh, emerging brands that have worked with maybe some not so reputable consultants or did it on their own or, or just don't have a, a good understanding of that. They're, they're not looking at designing their sales program with the psychology of the sale in mind. And, and that's something that I really think is an underserved topic. I mean, uh, Brian Tracy has a book called The Psychology of Selling, which digs into this a little bit, which is great. 
but but you really have to understand you know, that the the person that walks through the door the first time, the, the the in air quotes, the proverbial door, makes an inquiry on the brand. They've got a list of questions, and each interaction, each point of contact, whether it's an email mm-hmm. campaign that, that drips on them, or a text message, or a phone call, or a or a conversation with a franchisee, or a discovery day, whatever it is, has to be designed to systematically, in order, check those boxes off. And a lot of yep. times. You know, you, you have to have an understanding of uh, and enough experience to understand typically, you're always going to have outliers, but but typically, what's the order of those questions that they're going to ask and why does it make sense to do it in that order and, and just kind of have a, you just got to understand people and the way they think and, and, and know that deep down, hey, you know, in your first conversation, there are certain pieces of at least a glimmer of information you need to get out of this person to understand their motivation and why they're doing this and and what are deal breakers and non-starters for them and this kind of thing without necessarily overtly asking because you haven't built the relationship with them yet, but it does tailor how you approach moving them from step one to step two to step three to help further them through the process. And if you get the, the, the process and the structure of that funnel correctly, that uh, or set up correctly, I should say, and it's a matter of making sure that you're shepherding people through that process. You can't rely on the process itself. You still have to to, to exactly. be engaged in the process with the candidate because I've seen a lot of sales guys too where they just rely totally solely on, well, I got to move you to the next step. Well, I got to move yeah. you to the next step. Well, they're not sold and, yet. And, and you know, they don't, they don't exactly. want to fly down to Discovery Day. They, they, you know, yeah, we get it. And, exactly right. And uh, so, Joe, uh, let's let's get in the meat and potatoes of it. Uh, oftentimes, new franchisors, they ask me, and I'm sure they've asked you before, where do you find the best leads? <laughs> where do you find these leads? <laughs> and, and I, what is that? There's that one old sales movie, uh, is Glenn Gary, Glenn Gary, Glenn, Glenn Ross, Glenn I think Ross. his name is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where are the Coffee leads? For closers. <laughs> exactly. Where are the leads? So kind of walk us through, um, you know, the different types of leads there are. And then after we kind of, the best leads sure. that, that we find and the different performances and where they fit into our strategy. Sure, sure. So in, in my opinion, there, there's really five categories of, of leads out there within the franchise world, sales leads, right? And they have mm-hmm. their different pros and cons into each section. And, and in my opinion, you need to have the right mix of all of them uh, in order to succeed, uh, short-term and long-term, and you have to get the timing right on when you turn on different pieces of these categories, yep. uh, but in, in terms of the life of your your brand and where you are and what your budget is to to reinvest and things of that nature. But but we'll just kind of make it generic right now. In general, everybody's aware of franchise portals. These are these are uh, uh, websites that people can get to that aggregate information from a bunch of different franchisors in a bunch of different categories. And, and they basically produce an online mm-hmm. um, brochure or a pamphlet. It's just a, a snapshot of some quick information that's categorized by industry and investment level. And it's designed to say, hey, let me capture some quick level interest. So almost that impulse buy, like selling that stick of yep. gum at the cash register, it's just just enough of an impulse decision to submit some information, you know, send my phone number and my email and my name and city to the franchisor. Franchisors pay to be on those portals and the, the leads that they can buy from those portals, most of the time you're paying per lead, uh, are, mm-hmm. are the lower end of the investment range. You know, you're talking somewhere, depending on the portal, uh, and also depending on the volume that you're buying from those portals, you figure on the low end maybe thirty, thirty-five dollars. On the high end, you might be somewhere between sixty and eighty dollars per, per lead. 
per lead. Per lead yeah. And so right. you'll say, yeah. uh, you know, hey, you know, maybe my budget is $1,500 a month for leads. And so, you know, I'll set uh, my budget at 1500 and maybe the portal's charging me $45 a lead. And so I can get 33 leads a month, one, basically one lead a day from this mm-hmm. portal. Uh, and, and the challenge then becomes, well, you know, maybe I'm not getting the best quality candidates right out of the gate. And it is on this on a very much a numbers game, but you have to understand that not all numbers are created equal. So, so in so, terms of volume, so portals would be portals would just basically be a bulk of your volume, right? Is that kind of what you're, you're explaining? Right. Like, this is how exactly I exactly right. a portal lead. Portal lead is someone that's sitting on, on Google, at you know 11 p.m. on a Sunday, they don't want to go to work the next day, so they're googling buy a franchise because they've always dreamed of owning their own business, and then they're getting inundated on Google with you know franchise this, franchise that, and they're clicking on one of the websites, and then they're browsing which in- industry they want to go into, which investment range, and that's that's right, that's portal leads. That's what we're talking 100% about. So it's going to be a ton of traffic, right? Ton of visibility, yeah. but you need to be on there. So that's the portals. You do. What do you? What, what what is and so what is the, the let next me crack level? The, let me well let me let me crack down on the portals just a oh, second okay. further uh, before we move into the next part. I know you're eager and, it, and it's good <laughs> stuff, but let's let's go. Let me finish the thought on the portals thing. So so the way if you're talking about how do I fit portals into my lead strategy, there, there's two layers to it. You're going to need a certain volume. Portals provide that volume in terms of leads because the the higher quality leads are produced at a lower volume, and you need volume. As part of this, you need to build Mm -hmm. a database starting day one that you can grow your brand with over time. And and that database also doubles as potential customer marketing because if they don't buy a franchise in that particular area, when you do open one, when you when you do open one, those are your customers and you can market Mm -hmm. to them that way. So it pulls double duty there. Um, But but what I'll tell you is, in my experience, and just to name a few that I'm that I'm currently working with and, and have been working with for a long time, I've worked with every portal out there. Um, but, mm-hmm. but right now, just kind of give you an idea, you know, they're the, just to name a few, FranchiseGator.com is a great portal. Franchise Direct is a great portal. Franchise Opportunities uh, Network is also a great portal. And then Franchise Help. And, and what I have found over time is uh, a consistency in the cost per close with portals. It's going to be higher than the industry averages, uh, uh, but not so much higher that it doesn't warrant doing it. But what's nice about it is at one point with one of the brands I was working with, I was spending $60,000 a month with just one portal because yeah. I, we had the budget to do it. We had maxed out all the other lead sources and it made sense to get the volume of leads in. And no matter how much I spent, the cost per close, I mean, if I spent 30000 versus 60000 the cost per close might have changed 500 bucks. Yeah. So, so it was nice that there's a pretty, consistency pretty there. there. Yeah. yeah, there's a consistency there. It's a higher cost per close, but it, it, it's, it, it is scalable. And if I needed to get more leads, if, if I knew I needed five extra sales this year, then I could probably project with the other types of leads I'm going to get. I know I can spend more money with the portal and get there. Yep. But uh, from, does it from make my, sense for my personal experience, um, out of the, the, the few that you listed, uh, right now I'm currently working with Franchise Gator and Franchise Direct. And then also Franchise Opportunities Network. I think I think Franchise Opportunities Network is is a, a very strong company. Their leads their leads are great. They are a portal. Um, you know, they and Joe, you you can kind of dive in a little bit deeper into the cost cost per lead and some of that. But um, you know, if you are just new to the franchise thing and you 
and you're like, well, how do I get me some of them portal leads? Uh, I'd say franchise help, <laughs> franchise data, franchise director, franchise opportunity network. They, they, they'll steer you right. So. Yeah, and the, the, the thing about it, too, is, is each one of those does better with different industries. Sure. Strong. Yeah. But here's the, other, here's the other layer of portals that people tend to miss entirely. Um, there are, if you, if you go back to the person that you were talking about earlier, the, the person is not happy with their work situation, they need to make a change, and they're frustrated, it's late at night, they're dreading to go back to work sure. the next day. We've that's all been one there. person, for sure. That, that's one person who visits portals, and that person tends to fill out the form directly on the portal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and portals are structured in such a way where each brain has a landing page, and you fill the form out on the landing page, and that information yeah, goes like to the franchise or. Right, right. There's another type of person that visits portals that, that is not often given the credit it deserves, and that's the savvy person, savvy mm-hmm. business person, who's investigating a brand or an opportunity or, or just looking in general or trying to find info on opportunities within an industry that start at the portals because the portals have the highest visibility within the franchise world for buyers. And then say, hey, you know yeah, what? I've done some right. research. I've read a bunch of pages. I like this one particular brand, but I don't feel comfortable uh, filling out information on a third-party website. I'm going to go Google the brand directly and fill out a form on their own website. And, and they'll do a little bit of I research on you, the company. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so to me, uh, you, know, you can track that but, you know, by pinging back on IP addresses and doing some of these other things. That's kind of advanced. But, but as part of the sales conversation, you ask the question, you figure out where the people are coming from, how they found you originally. And I would, I would venture a guess to say probably 10 to 15% of the, the leads that come through your own brand, your brand's owned real estate, you know, their own website, their own franchise development page, their own Facebook page, whatever it is, Founder started on a portal. Portal. At least. Well, just to give but you an example, you, Joe. I mean, I was I was looking at. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was going to say I was looking at our brand, and um, you know, we we were doing our own pay per click campaigns to our website, our franchise generation mm-hmm. website, and then we started using these portals. And yeah, I'd say about fifteen percent uh, of the traffic increased from our main website, and that's because we were What's getting the, the exposure on that portal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and what I found too is is when they're pulling, when that lead does twice the work, they they research on a portal, find something they like, then they go seek out that something directly, and then apply for information. Their engagement rate is much higher than it just is. the portal guy or just the website guy. You have to think. This is the psychology piece. Think about the work and the and the the brain power they put into doing that, and so they're, they're taking invested, steps you know. where they're 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 invested in the idea of that particular brand and wanting to know more. So, yep, so moving exactly. on, going to 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 circle back around to your move, pushing me to the next part is those internal <laughs> channels, the the, the properties yeah. that are owned directly by the franchisor. This is your corporate website. Uh, a lot of brands subscribe to the idea of having a corporate website and franchise development site under the same domain. I personally don't like that idea, and we can that, that's a conversation for another time. And I know there's a bunch of people who are super strong in SEO that are screaming right now, but there are long-term <laughs> growth reasons why things like ad funds and franchise advisory councils and stuff, in my opinion, uh, warrant the idea of having two separate websites, a B2C, you know, a, a brand to your end user consumer, and yep. a B2B, a brand to the franchise candidate, two separate domains. Um, that's the social media that's owned by the brand, a LinkedIn page, a Facebook page, and so forth. I do also think that there is a case to be made that you should have a franchise-specific page that delivers different messaging than just the branded page overall. 
Uh, I do. I do agree with that too. Customers there. Very different. Yeah. You know, just to, just to give a, another example, you know, McDonald's they're targeting customers to buy a five dollar burger. McDonald's franchising is targeting investors to buy a one point five million dollar investment. Hold on, hold on. Very when different. Was the last time you paid five dollars for a burger at McDonald's. Let's <laughs> let's answer that question first here. Well, uh, no, you're right. Sorry, I, you're right. <laughs> don't, uh, don't and, often and, that and then the third part of that. You're right. You're the, the the other part of it too that I would consider kind of internally owned channels, and not every brand is going to have access to this day one. But is is sure. internal customer data. So so you know there was a brand that I worked with at one point that had uh, uh, probably in the vicinity of two hundred thousand names across the U.S. for people that have used the services of their franchisees, uh, and in certain markets, especially. Especially markets where they had a lot of, they had, uh, not, I would say a lot of room, but but maybe holes they were trying to fill to complete out a market, like you know maybe maybe uh, you know I'm in West Palm Beach, Florida, so so maybe they had three stores in, in West Palm Beach, but they needed five. They could reach out to those customers and then uh, uh, market to them as long as the franchisees are okay with it. You want to make sure there's there's not a relationship issue there, uh, but marketing to that internal customer database, or if you've got a, yeah. a, a spring of corporate stores that are in separate areas, you could do it that way too. Uh, um, and that's an important database as well. And that also helps you down the line with, with resales. You know, the, the customer of the store maybe wants to buy the store. And so keeping those strategies yep, in mind long-term and also short-term, they have impacts at different intervals in the life of the franchise. So in internal channels, how do you, so in, ter in terms of setting up a website specific to franchise development, there's going to be a lot of brand new franchise companies out there that may not ha be savvy enough to do that themselves. And I would be one of them. I, I barely set up an email address. What, what, who do you think, who do you think is the best that a brand new franchisee should reach out to get help with setting up the franchise development site? Who would you suggest? Uh, hands down integrated digital strategies. Yeah. Hands down. I've probably. I was going to say the same point. thing. Yeah. I've done well, besides with working with you, um, I've probably done just in the last three years, probably 11 with them, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I've had some other brands that did it themselves. I've had some other brands that wanted to keep it all on the same page. But in terms of understanding that you're basically, you know, too many times, especially with emerging franchisors, they don't realize they're living in two different businesses. Um, one, of the, one of the brands that I work with that, that is, a, is very much a legacy brand uh, at one point had to ask themselves the question, you know, and I won't name the industry specifically. So am I in the business of selling widgets or am I in the business of franchising? And they had to make that exactly. distinction. And when they realized, oh, actually, you know what? I'm in the business of franchising. My franchisees are the ones that sell widgets. It made sense at that point to divide um, the web properties. And are you going to lose some of the power of the SEO of having it all combined into one? And, and, and yeah, you are. But you also yeah. have to remember, you're not targeting the same customer. So are you really losing anything or are you clarifying and removing some of the cloudiness of the messaging? And in my opinion, I agree. Um, I agree. I think that there's a case to be made for the clarification of messaging and having two separate web properties. Now, could you have your main website.com forward slash franchise and have that redirect to your franchise sure. development page specifically? Absolutely. You should do that. That's definitely what uh, you should be doing. But, but you know, the idea is if I'm selling widgets and I'm creeping in with information about franchising, which is a much smaller audience of the widget buyer, um, you're muddying the waters versus two separate domains, two separate messages, because it's two separate businesses at the end of the day. I think that makes all the sense in the world. 
I, uh, from my experience, IDS also uh, totally gets that and, and agrees with that strategy, and uh, they do a really great job. Yeah. So if I you're mean, if you're uh, a new for, franchise, if you're a new franchise that's kind of wondering what what to do on that, reach out to IDS, and uh, they'll, they'll they'll help you out. I mean, they're they're one of the one of the more premier companies in, in my regard. Yeah. Um, I and will we're say, actually going to have them on the on, podcast. So so this yeah is be yeah, yeah. we're having to do an interview. Um, I will say fun fact. 71% of highly trafficked responsive websites in franchise development have a video on their website. So keep that in mind. And well, also, you, you can take that a step further. Uh, the, the franchise development websites that have video, uh, the visitors stay 80% longer on the website, exactly. and IBS does video. So you kind of get exactly. it all in one shot with them. They're a one-stop shop, and, and – uh, yeah. You know, I've used other vendors as well that that have done good jobs, but but in the as far as the expertise uh, and the level of service I get from them, they get it. They they totally yep. get it. So so we got uh, our good guys all around. We got our portals. That's our quantity. We got our internal channels. That's our dedicated customers and our websites and all the things that are to show us why we do why we do great franchises. Yeah, the the, the internal channels are going to be. The internal channels are going to be your highest conversion rate from inquiry to close. Mm -hmm. They're um, already familiar with your brand. They're already familiar, but they're going to be on the more expensive side because you have to generate them from scratch. You have to run your own advertising to do that. So, so it's a give and a take. You're going to get fewer of them compared to portals, you know. But mm -hmm. you can you can probably. You know, I don't think it would be a bad idea if you were to say, hey, maybe I'm going to spend two hundred dollars a lead to drive them through my own my own properties over the course of a year, and since you're doing it yourself, you have to spend the uh, the resources to, to pay attention to it and to manage that program. But uh, you're also getting somebody who's who's more motivated to convert with you through each step of the sales funnel versus yep. a portal person who maybe submitted a form on 10 different brands at once. So there's a difference exactly. there. But again, you can kind of start to see the picture of out of the pie, how big of a slice am I going to give to each thing based on my uh, growth capacity and then my budget yeah, to facilitate budget that too. capacity. Yeah. Yep. What do you so so we we have people searching for franchises? Then you got your customer base. Is there a type of lead or yeah type of uh, place that we could buy for maybe a, a lead that doesn't necessarily know they're in the market to buy a franchise and just has the qualifications that we like? You know, high level position, maybe owned a business before. Is, is there a type of lead that we could buy that's that? Yeah. Transition. Yeah, or transition. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was, what so, so transition leads. You can define that. You, you always want to kind of think about the lead in terms of a a place in life, right? So we talked about the portal guy just being frustrated and and losing sleep. We're talking about the uh, the internal channels as the person who's savvy and astute and is looking to do research and make a good decision. And then you got the transition leads as the person that's engaged in what they're doing but is either looking to, to make a change, expand a portfolio, or, or maybe has been downsized, something along those lines. A lot of them come out of LinkedIn at some level, mm -hmm. but they're, they're not sure what they want to do. They're not sure what industry they want to go into. They're not sure if they want to change from the industry they've been in, whatever, whatever career path that is. And these tend to be higher level, uh, higher net worth, higher corporate ladder executive level people who are looking for a little more of that concierge level treatment and helping them find a business opportunity. Sure. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. It does. Yeah. So, and you know, Natalie Nutter over at fifth Avenue 
Fifth Avenue leads. Perfect she example. has been really the like industry pioneer trailblazer for these type of transition leads. We've worked with her. Gosh, I've worked with her in the last eight brands I've been with. And, and Joe, I, I know you've, you've done a lot of work with her as well. Um, that is going to be a lead that has or more of a, a warm introductory to your brand. Um, they got a really good team of coordinators and, and consultants that actually reach out to the lead and tell them, you know, ask them questions about what type of businesses or industries have you been in the past? What type of businesses are you looking to get into? Yeah. What geographic areas? Kind of walk me through your perfect business. And then with all that information they harvest and, and they'll match up that prospect to, you know, either one or three different franchise opportunities that really fit that mold. And, um, that's, that's going to be a warm lead. So it's not someone that only got a little digital yeah. brochure online from a website, it's someone that's been engaged with it. Yeah. So let me, let me break that down for you. Uh, when I get a lead from a vendor that does exactly that, um, the information they're providing me is, is a, is a much higher level of information than, than a portal would be. A portal is going to be name, phone number, email address, and probably at least the state that they're in. Yeah. That's at least it. the state. Uh, with, with, with a transition lead, I'm usually getting name. I'm getting what industries they're interested in. I'm interested in healthcare. I'm interested in service, non-retail, and I'm interested in home-based. You know, I, I might get something like that. I'm going to get a sentence or two or three of that person's background. I'm going to get, mm -hmm. uh, to the degree, to the, to the degree of honesty of the candidate. Let's, let's be, let's be clear about that. But I'm also going to, they're going to include investment time frame. They're going to include an idea of what their net worth is, and that's usually within a bracketed range, you know, 500 to 750 yeah. or 1.2 to 1.5, something along those lines. And then they're going to get an, uh, uh, the same type of idea as far as what they have available for investment. And sometimes they'll go as far as to give you a source of that capital. The problem that I've seen, too many franchisees, and, and these are more expensive leads. I mean, I mean, depending, they're going to charge you based on, hey, how much liquidity and net worth do you need out of the candidate? And the higher those numbers are, the more expensive the lead is because there are fewer of them and it takes more yeah. investment to generate that lead. And so too many people, especially emerging brands, look at those leads and go, those are expensive. I'm not doing it. That's a mistake. Those are your most uh, qualified people that are going to come in raw as far as not knowing who you are having a conversation with you. Somebody else has already had a conversation with them and validated, yes. again, to the degree of honesty of the candidate, disinformation. So there's two things that I've seen. They, they, they think it's too expensive, and then they pick up the phone, and they don't know how to approach that lead. And, yeah, you got you got to uh, approach the lead almost as if it was an introduction from a coworker. That's say, hey, I want you how to that meet this person. Exactly. Yeah. This is how that works. So, so um, there's a couple of different companies out here that do this. But, but to give you an example, they're all formatted essentially the same way. With each lead that comes to you, you're going to have, you know, the, you know, we'll call them a franchise coordinator or, or a franchise coach or whatever it is. Not to be confused with brokers and consultants, but, but you know, we'll call it a franchise coordinator. This is the name of the person who had the initial phone call, collected the information, and sent it to you. And too many times I've seen new franchisors call these leads and go, they weren't interested in my brand. Well, yeah, they've never heard of you before. And so, <laughs> so over the 10 years that I've been buying these kinds of leads, you know, through, through a lot of trial and error and, and tracking of, of, of statistics and all this other stuff, the way you crack that code is, is let, let's say 
let's say the franchise coordinator person in this scenario's name is um, David Smith, right? And, and, I, and Charles, you're the lead. I'm picking up the phone and I'm calling you within a couple of minutes of getting that lead. That's the crucial thing to this whole deal is how quickly you're getting to the lead from the time you receive it. I'm picking yeah, it's got to be phone. the same day, Charles, if not the same hour. Right. Charles is saying yeah. hello and I'm saying, Charles, this is Joe with XYZ Brand. Uh, uh, David Smith, your franchise coordinator, just left me a message uh, and he shared a little bit about the conversation you guys had and kind of your background and what you're looking for. He seems to think that there's a high level of synergy between what you told him and what we do. And I'd like to schedule five minutes with you. And when it's convenient here, maybe this afternoon or tomorrow, let's just figure out if this is something you think you might like. I get almost 90% engagement when I handle the call that way. Yeah. I've watched well, newer people. You, in, there's in something my, that you said. There's something that you said that resonated with me. They've never heard of you before, but they've heard of right. David Smith. They've talked to that, that that gentleman or that that coordinator, that that woman, that lady. They've talked to. Us. So it's almost like you you have to approach it as it's a, it's an introduction from a coworker mm -hmm. or from a colleague or yep. from someone. Yep. They don't necessarily know I'm, your brand, but they will. Yeah. And they're open. Yeah. I'm not just I'm not just a telemarketer or whatever it is. Somebody that you just spoke to just recommended highly you to me, and so I'm calling you on their behalf. And there's yeah, a Joe, difference so in the psychology on how that works. For, uh, for for inquiring minds out there, people that maybe have not used this service before, do you have yeah. you know a, a typical price range per lead, or is it is it a yeah, initial setup you know, fee and for, then a monthly? Brands, yeah, for for most brands, uh, the vast majority <laughs> of franchise opportunities outside of the big food brands are going to be under five hundred thousand dollars. There's a huge segment of franchise brands that are within that two hundred and fifty or less, two hundred and fifty thousand or exactly. less. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll we'll say from zero to five hundred thousand dollar investment, you're going to be somewhere in the vicinity of sixty five to to a hundred dollars per lead. A lot of these these vendors that produce this type of lead, they kind of work on a retainer basis. So you may have to write sure. a ten thousand dollar check up front and then as they send you leads, they chip away at that number. And so sure. you can, and, and you can, some brands that want to get, you can set a, you can set a monthly cap. So, so some brands like, Hey, I don't want more than 10 leads a month because I can't handle more than that sales volume. That 10,000 oh, yeah. can last they, you all year. Off. Yeah, that can exactly. last you all year. You know, and, and I, you know, other brands, like one of the brands I'm working with now, we're probably writing that check twice a year, but we're getting the, the engagement out of it and, and, and it works out for our cost per, per close. Well, so, it's so that, because that's kind of, our system can handle it. And, you know, you just got to go off what you can handle. Like you said, why would you yeah. spend a ton of money on a ton of leads per month when it's just you doing it? If you're a brand new franchisor, right. you got to you gotta wear all the hats. You got to wear the real estate hat. You got to wear the training and operations hat. Then you got to do the sales hat. Sure. Don't spend, sure. don't overbuy because those leads are hot. And when they're not hot, they're and you're just as good as portals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's you so, know, kind you know, of a, to, to another, kind of give you that the, the other to flip that example around. You know, there was a brand that that uh, that I developed a call center around, and we started out, you know, with me plus three other people, and grew it to the. I think at one point we had eleven or twelve people in that call center. That all they did all day long was now I had the other side of it. I had a two million dollar a year lead generation budget just for leads. But, uh, uh, you know, you, I'm you're sure in a situation our new franchisors would love that. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, so those guys would make around 300,000 phone calls a year. So you can get through this kind of volume 
and then retouch leads that you want to circle back every six months and all this kind of stuff. But you're 100% right. For the newer franchisors or franchisors that don't have a sales infrastructure like that, again, this all goes back to that very first question. What is your capacity for growth? Yep. I agree. I agree. And so <clears throat> that kind of leads us to, you know, all right, so you're paying for you're paying for leads, you're paying for spots on portals. You have you have your website set up, whether it be through, you know, a different channels or your, your franchise development site or your your company site that you have a little franchise tab on. Um, you might be working with the transition leads vendor. I think definitely every single franchise when they get set up, whether they have zero locations or just the pilot store or they have 100 locations and they want to get to 200, you have to be connected with franchise brokers. You just, mm -hmm. you just got to be a part of the big organization. These are professionals. That is their, their livelihood to represent your brand boots on the ground and sell your franchise. They won't do it for you, but they will give your brand so much exposure and I know myself in the past, I made my own connections with franchise brokers. That's really helped me in my career. You got to treat these broker leads white glove service the best you can um, because that's, that's their hard-earned hard work is representing your brand out there. So let's just kind of talk a little bit about the dynamic of a franchise broker, what type of leads they provide, what type of service they yep. provide, especially for emerging franchisors. Sure. So, so the challenge emerging franchisors always have with brokers is brokers are commission based, right? So if you have a franchise fee that you're charging your franchisees $20,000 to get into your brand. And that's the money that emerging franchisors have to use to reinvest in infrastructure and grow the brand and this type of thing. And a franchise broker is looking for a, a $15,000 commission for bringing you this candidate. Well, now your your capital for further infrastructure growth and so forth has just got whacked down to five thousand uh, dollars. That can be a challenge for emerging brands to wrap their heads around, and and I totally understand where they're coming from. Which again, this is why they have to figure out what percentage of the pie does it make sense to have brokers uh, involved yeah. in their in their growth process. The other side of that coin that they have a tendency to not realize, and, and there are a lot of franchisors out there that are, you know, legacy brands, and, and I, I call legacy brands anybody that's over 200 locations, uh, yep. that don't use brokers. The problem with that is the largest pool of people besides franchisees in the franchising industry are brokers and consultants. And depending on what organization you're talking to, that, that term is relatively interchangeable, along with coaches yep. and some, some, some groups too. Um, so, so they all talk to each other. They have their own conferences they go to. They also go to all of the major uh, franchising conferences like IFA and some of these other ones. And if they are, don't have visibility of your brand and line of sight and understand who you are, how you do it, why, and the successes and all these things, you're missing out on a ton of people because these guys on the individual level are buying leads from all the same places you are. And so yeah. – Sometimes they are going to buy the lead that wanted to buy your brand, but you never got exposed to the lead because it was brokers. You don't work with brokers, all this kind of stuff. The second thing, too, is there is, there's a certain degree of validation that has to happen for the brand itself uh, in order for it to, to have validity in the eyes of the, the buying community, the franchise investor. And you can spin up a whole lot of, of of energy and, and eyes on your brand by getting brokers excited about the brand. Exactly. And so I, I've always worked with brokers. I've always found a way to put them into the program 
mm-hmm. and with with newer emerging brands, maybe you don't lean 100% heavy on brokers. Maybe you're you're looking to, if you want to grow 10 units this year, maybe you're looking to put two of them in from brokers and the rest sure. of them through these other these other avenues. For for large scale brands and those legacy level brands, if you're not running 20, 30% of your franchise development program through brokers, you're missing the boat entirely. Yep. And and the way that, that that those leads come through is the broker invests advertising dollars to generate franchise candidates the same way franchisors do. The broker acts as an independent person. So if, if you think of it like this. Imagine walking into a car dealership and the only people you have to speak to are the car salesmen. In the buyer's eyes, the car salesman has a limited degree of of Honesty, because he's trying to sell his credibility. It doesn't mean he's a bad person, but if he if he if he works for Toyota, he's not going to talk to you about Honda. It's not going to happen. Brokers and consultants and coaches live in the gap, so they're I'm independent of all brands. I don't cost the franchisee anything, the candidate anything. I work for you for free. The franchisor pays me, and so that that person can be uh, uh, neutral in helping that candidate evaluate. Uh, the brand the right way and determine what makes uh, a good sense for the candidate based on their background, based on their interest, yeah. based on the time commitment. They're just there to make stuff. sure they get into business and that's the right fit for them. Right. That's, that's the value to the candidate. The value to the franchisor is you're having conversations with that broker independently of your conversations from the candidate, getting an extra, a read on their their thought process on the questions they're asking on their emotional state in terms of evaluating the brand, picking up the phone and saying, Hey, Mr. Mr. Consultant, you know, I can't get this guy to call me back to nudge him for me. And and, and being able to kind of play the the game that way is helpful. And at the end of the day, it makes for a really great franchisee because they felt like they have had a great experience because they have someone holding their hand through the process who's, lending their credibility to you, the franchise salesperson. Now, what you don't want to do is treat the brokers themselves with anything but white glove service because yeah, they're, they're really as, well as, as well as their candidates. Yeah. yeah. They're helping represent so, your brand so, outside of your organization. So exactly. they, they need to be treated better than an employee. Yep. In the, and, in and what the, do you think? I'd, I'd say, uh, from from what I, I've seen, a good range of a broker commissions anywhere from fifteen to twenty five thousand for for uh, well, one sale. you need to think of it that more. That just depends on the terms, brand. Yeah, you need to think of it more or in industry. terms of percentages. Yeah, there are some yeah. brands out there that have a very low franchise fee, but they're they only sell five packs. And so, if you're saying, hey, you know, uh, you know, my franchise fee is ten thousand dollars, and I can give you half my franchise fee. The broker looks at that and goes, well, I can spend my time, effort, and energy steering people towards much higher commission sure. checks. Make sure you tell the broker, but every franchisee buys 10. So your commission winds up being $25,000. Yeah. Especially so, if so you're a service-based you, brand, and you, you know, you're really just your franchise fees are buying extra territories. The, the broker has to know that. But yeah. I've seen, from my experience, typical broker, uh, you know, for a single unit for in that Hundred fifty to two hundred fifty thousand total investment range, somewhere between fifty and twenty five thousand. Now that means you have to set your franchise fee appropriately. And just a tidbit of information, a tip from you: if you're an emerging brand, don't discount your franchise fee so heavily because, in the grand scheme of things, if it's a two hundred thousand dollar investment, discounting the franchise fee fifteen grand is not going to make a huge difference on the total. 
in, in terms of the candidate size. So make sure you have enough money in your franchise fee to pay pay brokers and get involved with brokers. And I think and, in, and, and in, make in sure our series, part of your growth strategy appropriately. There's there's make yeah, sure you're not relying on, if you're in that position as a franchisor, make sure you're not relying 100% on brokers. Find a place for them in your overall marketing mix for franchise development. They, there's absolutely I know you guys a place for them. Wanna, yep. I know you guys are going to want to hear from a broker's perspective. So good thing is in a couple episodes, we're actually be doing an interview with a couple franchise brokers and they can tell you all about what they see through their yep. eyes. And I, I think that'd be really awesome. Awesome point to tune in and listen to that. Now sure. um, on the last little segment of where you get leads, and this is the tale as old as time. It's called trade shows. Everyone loves them. They're three days long. You're staying on concrete all day, but the leads are going <laughs> to trade shows, these franchise trade shows to buy a franchise and to investigate a franchise. And they do them regionally. They do them nationally. They also do them internationally. Now, my understanding and my suggestion to new budding emerging franchise companies, whether you've only sold one unit or 10 units, pick franchise shows to attend that make sense for your brand because they are not cheap to attend. You have to buy a booth. You got to pay for shipping it's and freight. You got to do all this stuff. It is it's a commitment. commitment. So yep. if you're a Florida brand that hasn't grown out of Florida, don't throw your stuff on, on a plane and go to California unless you have a growth strategy in California for that trade show. And um, man, I, I can't see how, I can't tell you how many times I've uh, I've gone to all these different regional trade shows and seen some really great, exciting new brands pop up because they're regional. You know, we were just at the mm -hmm. Chicago Franchise Expo um, it, oh, gosh, in September. Yeah, in September. And I was seeing all these Chicago-based franchise companies that I haven't heard for, heard of, but people were telling me, yeah, there's like 30 of them all around Chicago. And that was awesome. Those companies are spending yeah. money the right way. So, uh, I mean, kind of break down, what do you think, what, you're an emerging brand, there's a trade show coming to your area. You know, Joe, what would you suggest they do in terms of, you know, researching the capacity or the occupancy that's going to be uh, the attending the trade show? What do you think ballpark costs are going to be? Who should they go go with for like a vendor to, to set up their booths or to even build their booths or design their trade trade show booths? What, what do you what do you got for us? Yeah. So so first and foremost, again, I, you know, I can't say it enough. Make sure that you understand what you're getting into and decide whether or not there's a place in the growth strategy for your brand for trade shows. And a lot of people these days, you talk to a lot of franchisors, both legacy and emerging brands, and they all tell you, I never close deals out of trade shows. I don't think I've ever done a trade show in my career where I didn't close at least two franchisees. And, I agree. And I, the, 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 the reason for that is understanding how to work the trade show. So, you know, you're talking typical trade show booth. If you're going to do just a normal fabric pipe and drape type of thing with artwork and the whole deal, you just Google that stuff. You're going to find it anywhere from $1,500 to $3,000. Don't go cheap mm -hmm. on the booth. And, and what I mean by that is I see a lot of brands out there, especially on the merging side, that will have a booth that looks great but conveys no messaging. That's a problem. You have to recognize yeah. what it is that you have here. You have a group of people that are showing up to a place that has specifically been marketed to and that marketing speaks to do you want to be a business owner do you want to expand your business portfolio here's a room full of potential opportunities that you can evaluate over the course of two days to do that and you have Agreed. 10 seconds of drive-by time as these people are walking down the aisle looking at booths on either side and some of these booths carnival bark more than others 
and uh, you have to capture their attention, possibly. So, so you, you know, you, 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 they have to walk by, and they can't just look yep. at your, your booth and go, oh, that guy sells sandwiches. Well, no, that guy sells sandwiches in such a way that produces this amount of sales and is easy to operate yep. and territories available and all this other kind of stuff. Because what you you're looking to do is like get 20 seconds at the most. Exactly. You want to do it in a way that makes that, that gives them enough opportunity to slow down long enough for you to either ask them a question or engages them enough where they come to you, you to engage. ask the question. You've got to engage. It's what it's all about. You've got 10 seconds to get at least a basic understanding of your message out there uh, mm -hmm. that creates an opportunity for you to connect and engage. Uh, then most of these things now have technology where you're, you know, you're scanning a QR code on a badge from your cell phone and it goes into a database. Yeah, and you're getting their contact and whatnot. Right. What do you, what do you think and, on the cost wise? You know, if you were to, your first time show attender, you got to get a, you got to get a 10 by 10 booth. You got to get a, yeah. a drape and banner. What do you, all in, so, what do you think? This is a $5,000 investment depending on the show? What, what, what do you, it, what it, depends on, it depends on the show. It depends on the market yeah. and it depends on the company putting on the show. So the next show that I have on my calendar, which I think is also on yours, Charles, is the is Franchise is. Expo South. They move that one Miami, around. Baby. They, they tend to move these around. It's going to be Miami this year. Uh, and, and so for a 10 by 10 space at that show, you produce a, a, a pipe and drape banner, uh, a backdrop for your booth. You've got some brochures and collateral that you produce for the booth. You've got a couple of people in the booth and the travel arrangements and so on and so forth. You're going to be ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 somewhere in that ballpark. If you're an emerging yeah. brand, they have special pricing for that. Um, but if you're, if you're more on the legacy side of things, um, you're going to be in that range. So most yeah, you got, franchise you got have to, your franchisors, you know, 10 to 15,000, you're, you're you might be new. That that's a lot of money. But if you just sell one franchise out of that show, out of the three hundred people that are going to walk by your booth a day, you know, yep. yeah, you're you're making then and then some. So it is an investment that is worth it. It is definitely a time and financial commitment. You need to know how to work those leads properly. And and Joe and I are going to be doing another podcast episode, not to uh, kind of dangle the carrot, but we're going to be doing another episode that is telling you trade show strategies, lead generation strategies specific to conferences and trade shows. And I think that's going to be super yep. impactful, but because uh, we'd yep. be here a whole nother day. <laughs> There's so much. Yeah, for sure. In trade shows. So the next Definitely. episode that we're going to cut here, uh, just that everybody that's listening has an idea what we're going to talk about next. How do you take all the information we covered today and use that to create, first of all, create a budget based on your growth strategy? What's it mm -hmm. going to take? There's uh, how do we leverage industry averages to then figure out what our budget should be? And then how do we take this whole thing, starting with a budget, with a number, and reverse engineer that into what I'm going to do in terms of growth? And you run that strategy both ways, up and down, and you've come out the other end with a pretty solid program. And yeah. so uh, that's going to be the next episode, and then we're going to start having scheduled guests here on the podcast and kind of giving you further information on how to make your franchise business better your franchisees more successful and, and just improving the community and the quality of franchising in general. So I'm going to go ahead and close this out and say thank you everybody for listening to the first episode of the Millennium Franchising Podcast. That's Millennium, not Millennial. And Charles laughed at me, but it, it's because I like <laughs> Star Wars and that's what it is. So uh, thank you so much for listening and we will Thanks. see you guys on the next episode. All righty. Take it easy.